Psalm 23 if you have a copy of God's Word that you want to open up or turn on this morning. That's where we're going to be today, Psalm chapter 23. Uh, As Joe said, my name is Aaron. I serve as the teaching pastor here at Living Hope Columbus. And I do want to extend uh, yet again, and probably will for the next few weeks, um, a word of apology for the dust around the church. Um, We feel like this entire journey has been two steps forward, one step back. Um, but we're still making progress forward, and every week we're trying to move the ball a little bit further down the field, um, but we are just keep being met with just some blocks and barricades. But as the old saying goes, if it was easy, everybody would do it. So uh, we are excited about this journey, and uh, if you haven't had a chance yet before you leave today, make sure you head over to the kids' area in the other section of the church. we got that all painted up, and uh, we're making progress. It's just a little step at a time. So uh, that's part of church planting. If you were with us in the middle school for two years, As I said last week, I will take the smell of of construction over the smell of middle school boy any single week. So Psalm 23, we're going to read verse 2 today. If you'll stand with me in honor of reading God's word. One of our values at Living Hope is that we're for the gospel, which means that we value this book highly because God spoke it into existence for our benefit and his glory. Psalm 23, verse 2, God's word says this. It's David writing, and he says these words, that he, that is God, lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray that today, Lord, as we continue navigating in our journey through Psalm 23, God, continue to let your word speak to our hearts. Lord, draw us closer to you by the power of your spirit. Jesus, I pray today that you would give us the open ears we need to hear your word. God, the hearts that we need, God, the soft and open hearts to receive your word. And God, the hands and feet to live out those things that you teach us today. God, I pray your spirit would rest in this place, God, that we would encounter Jesus today and leave here closer to him than when we arrived. Father, we love you. And it's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray these things. Amen. You may be seated. As I read Psalm 23, verse 2, I can't help but be reminded and even think about that we are living in one of the busiest, if not the busiest, moments in time in human history. If you ask anyone, I'm sure you even did this this morning, and you ask them, hey, how was your week? What's the typical response? Oh, man, I was so busy. Have you asked somebody, and again, you maybe even heard this this morning, hey, how are you doing? And our typical response is, oh, man, I'm so tired. You see, the truth is we're busy, we're stressed, and it shows. Most of us, our lives are ran by our Google calendar day by day, appointment after appointment is controlling our lives. We're surrounded by stressor after stressor after stressor. Responsibility continues to pile up on each one of us, and we stack all of these things up. And to put the icing on the cake, within the last 10, 15 years, not only are we stressed and we're busy and we're tired, but we are more connected to everyone and everything than we ever were before, thanks to the onset of the cell phone, and then on top of that, social media as well. We're busy, we're stressed, we're tired, and it absolutely shows. And for most of us, and I'm talking to myself too, in the midst of all of those things, we have very little, if any, margin whatsoever to actually sit down and to rest as God intended us to do. Rest is one of the most elusive things that you and I uh, encounter in a week-by-week basis. But the truth is that God created us, and we see it here in Psalm 23 too. God created you and I to not only rest, but to rest well. And it's something that we do not do, and we don't do it well either. 
In Genesis chapter 2, verse 3, the verse will be on our screen. God sets the example for us on the importance of prioritizing rest in our lives. Genesis 2, 3 says this, that God blessed the seventh day. So six days of creation has taken place in Genesis chapter 1. God declared his work holy, then he declared the seventh day holy as well. For on it, what did he do? He rested from all of his work of creation. We see Jesus then carry this principle for us over into the New Testament. Jesus, fully God, fully man, existing in human flesh, carries this idea, reality, and need of rest for us. Into the New Testament, we see Jesus resting in the stern of a boat while crossing a stormy sea. Mark 4, verse 38. It says, well, Jesus was in the stern, in the stern of the boat. He was sleeping on a cushion. I find it funny this week, and this is just kind of a stupid dad pastor joke. You guys remember the old like WWJD bracelets? What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? Mark 438, he would take a nap, right? You're welcome in Jesus' name, all right? So this afternoon, if your spouse bugs you for taking that Sunday afternoon nap, you say, baby, I'm just trying to be like Jesus. Leave me alone, all right? Listen, because Jesus and God created us to work in some capacity that looks different for everybody, but we were created to work. Genesis 2.15, that's true. But since we were created to work, we also have the responsibility as good stewards of our bodies to rest well, too. We were created to work, but we were also created to rest. And not simply in the sense, typically when we say the word rest, we we traditionally just think of sleeping, right? We traditionally just think of sitting in front of the couch watching Netflix and not doing anything. That's what we think of when we think of rest, and that's part of it. But God's intention for rest goes beyond that. And I want to give us this simple definition of rest, and it's this. It's finding contentment in the shadow of our shepherd. Psalm 23, 2. True rest is when you and I learn to find contentment in all things in the shadow of our shepherd. Because true rest is not only a physical endeavor. That's part of it. But as human beings, we were also created to emotionally rest and to spiritually rest as well. And that only happens when we learn to find contentment in the shadow of our shepherd. I want to uncover more of that truth today. Let's let's catch everybody up if you were unable to make it last week and make sure we're refreshed and ready to go into verse 2 today. We said in verse 1, verse 1, Psalm 23 says this, that the Lord is my shepherd. We said last week that the Lord, that's the personal name of God. Exodus 3 verse 15 says that God's name literally means the existing one. How do you describe the creator of all things? You can't. So God's name literally means I exist because he's indescribable. It says the existing one is what? My shepherd. Personal pronoun. The the, the work of Jesus on the cross ensures that God can be my shepherd. God invites me back into relationship with him. And John 10, 11 says that our shepherd is a good shepherd. Because Jesus is a good shepherd, that means for you and I, we said last week, that Jesus will provide for us direction, provision, and also protection. Since he's a good shepherd to us, he'll provide those things. And then here's what David does, and I love this. He says, the Lord is my shepherd, and then everything else flows in the next six verses. The Lord is my shepherd, therefore this is true. Last week we said the Lord is my shepherd, therefore what? I shall not want. I don't lack anything because the Lord is my shepherd. Now, what did we get this week? Because the Lord is my shepherd, what does he do for me? He lets me lie down in green 
pastures. You may be thinking, oh, wow, that's neat. That's pretty cool. What does that even mean? The next part says, wow, he not only lets me lie down in green pastures, but what does he do? He leads me behind still waters. Now, let's talk about this a little bit more in a second, because this is going to help set the stage. I know nothing about sheep. If you were here last week, I told you, somebody challenged me one time. They said, Aaron, before you can pastor well, you need to become a shepherd. No, thank you. All right. So I don't know a lot about sheep, but here's what I do know. Google does and a lot of really good books do. So I've done a ton of research about sheep. I've never done this before in my life. There's never been a point in my life where I'm like, you know what? I want to learn more about sheep. That sounds exciting. All right. But for this series, that's what I've had to do. Now, here's three words that are used to describe sheep all the time. You ready for these? You're going to run one, write these down. They're scared, they're skittish, and they're stupid. All right. Everything you read, those are the three words you're going to get. Scared, skittish, and stupid. Isn't it comforting to you and I that throughout the New Testament, God calls us his sheep? (laughs) I'm thinking, thank you, Lord. I appreciate that. Sheep are scared of everything. They're skittish of of everything. And they're stupid in every single way. I read a book this week from the perspective of a shepherd. And so what he does in this book is he takes Psalm chapter 23. And he begins to like dice it up from the perspective of a shepherd, a guy that has actually spent a lot of time with sheep. It's been an incredible read. And as I read Psalm 23 and I read this book, I kept asking myself the question about verse 2. What does it take for a sheep to lie down? You ever ask yourself that question? You read this passage? Sometimes we focus on the green pastures. You know, at the lush green pastures that the shepherd takes his sheep to. That's important. But why would David make the emphasis? Your Bible might even say that he makes a sheep lie down in green pastures. Why the emphasis on the action of the sheep actually lying down? Something must be significant and important there. And you know what I uncovered? This is pretty neat. That a sheep actually needs four things to happen in its life before it will lay down and be completely at rest. Here's what they are. And this, man, I'm telling you, I'm about to preach this morning. I'm so pumped. All right. A sheep needs to be free from four things in order to lie down. It wants to be free from fear, from tension, from pests, and from hunger. If any of those are present, a sheep cannot rest. It will not rest. But the moment that all four of those things are gone, it's free from fear, tension, pests, and hunger, a sheep will gladly lie down and rest. Why is that important? Because when you study sheep, and we're going to uncover this a little bit in Scripture here in a second, Of those four things, no sheep can do that on their own. Sheep can't do it. The only way a sheep can be free from all four of those things is in the presence of a shepherd. It's the shepherd that rids them from those things. Woo, Pastor Joe, we're about to get going, my friend. So if the Lord is my shepherd... That must mean in some sense that somehow what do I need to find rest... Guess what? It's the exact same four things that a sheep desires to find rest as well. We want freedom from fear, from tension, from annoyances, and from hunger. And I'm going to show you in God's word why that is true. Because it's in Jesus is where we feel uh, secure. It's where we feel content. It's where we feel at peace. And it's where we find full satisfaction. And when we get those things right, guess what we get to do? By the invitation of the God of the universe, we get to rest physically, spiritually, and emotionally as his children. Let's walk through these four things real quick. First off, a sheep needs to rest as to have freedom from fear. We said just a moment ago that sheep are very timid and skittish creatures. Incredibly timid and incredibly skittish creatures. 
You read extra things out of the Bible to help understand what God's Word says, and you see that that is true no matter who you read. Psalm 23, I think David is emphasizing that for us, that, that sheep are a little skittish, so they need the help of a shepherd to actually lie down. I read one guy this week, he was a shepherd, and he said one time he had his sheep all out in a field, grazing in this green pasture, and his neighbor showed up, and out of the neighbor's car jumped a pug. Let me, let me tell you something. I've seen 100 pugs in my life. They're not scary, all right? They got that dead tongue that hangs out of their mouth. They drool. They're snot. Pugs are not a scary creature. But this guy said that the moment that the pug jumped out of the car, that every one of his hundred of sheep just stampeded. They were terrified of the pug. Why? Because they're scared creatures. They're terrified of everything. Yet here was the common thread that I continue to read. That when sheep were scared, that if a shepherd stepped into the pen, immediately at ease. If the shepherd wasn't present and they didn't know the shepherd was there, no matter what was going on, it could be a blade of grass falling over. The sheep would lose it and stampede. But the moment that the shepherd stepped into their presence, all, all fear immediately left them and they were immediately at peace. Man, that'll preach, won't it? Check this out. Romans 8 verse 11 says this. Paul writes this. That if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. That's pretty wild. The God of the universe living inside of me. 2 Timothy 1.7. God has not given us a spirit of fear. You see the parallels between sheep and us right here? Friends, because the presence of Jesus is in me. Romans 8.11. The spirit of fear then has no place to dwell in me as well. 2 Timothy 1.7. That's God's word. Because the presence of Jesus is in me, the spirit of fear has no place in me as well. When I become keenly aware of the presence of Christ in me and around me, that's when I can start to find rest from the chaos in me and around me. You know when Jesus left this earth, Matthew 28 verse 20, what did he tell us? I will be with you always. That's a promise. You can take that one to the bank. It means he's never going to leave. He's always going to be there. And when we become aware of his presence in our lives as followers of Jesus, that's when we can rest. And friends, our souls crave that. I don't have to tell you that. Our souls crave that rest. But here's the difference between the sheep in Psalm 23, verse 2, and you and I. The sheep has the presence of Christ around them to comfort them. We have the presence of Christ in us to comfort us. I hope we see that truth today. Here's the second thing that a sheep wants freedom from. They want freedom from tension. I'm sure we're all somewhat aware of this, but every animal kind of category that the Lord has created, there's some sort of like social dominance or some sort of social chain, right, where there's, there's leaders and there's followers. It's just the way God created things. And typically what happens is in, in the, the animal kingdom is you have animals that lead and then you have all these animals underneath and then there's like this fight for power. Right? These, especially with sheep. I didn't know this, but this is kind of interesting to me. Um, older sheep will be bullied by younger sheep. So if an older sheep, a shepherd is telling stories, if an older sheep's over here eating grass and the younger sheep decides that he wants the grass, the younger sheep will come over and start headbutting the older sheep to get him to move. And what happens? The older sheep just kind of moves along, goes a separate way. Sheep are always in this like tension, this battle for power and this battle for dominance. Yet again, you can read it everywhere that no matter what tension is taking place, you can have a whole group of sheep and they're over here, they're tense and they're fighting and they're fighting for order and they're fighting for power. Who knew sheep were so complex, by the way? 
I've driven by pastures and seen sheep out there, and I've never thought to myself, man, I bet those guys are really, really complex and in-depth, you know? Sometimes you just see sheep, and you're like, those are stupid. Move along, right? Show me a dog. Anyways, see, these, they've got this, like, order and this power that they're fighting for. But here's what happens. Again, man, you know what happens when a shepherd shows up? There's none of that anymore. There's none of that. Actually, what, what happens according to shepherds is that all these sheep, they could be fighting, and they're fighting for order and power and dominance, and then a shepherd steps into the pen, and what do all the sheep do? They look at him. They don't care about each other anymore. What do they do? They look at him. Their attention goes from each other and what everybody else is doing, and they go and they look at the shepherd, and they focus all their attention on him. Why? Because that's where their comfort is found. That's where their security is found. That's where they want to keep their eyes is on the shepherd. Now, pause. Let's take it to us. We live in a similar tension, don't we? Every single day. You and I, we get caught in this mundane grind of trying to get ahead of the world. I want to make a name for myself. I want a bigger house, a bigger car, a bigger bank account. More, 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 better, better, better. In this attempt to meet that need of self-fulfillment that is an endless void that I can never meet. Philippians 4, we looked at this verse last week. Paul said this. He said, I don't say this out of need, but I've learned to be content. In whatever circumstances I find myself, he says, I know how to have a little, I know how to have a lot. Any and all circumstances, I can be content. Whether I'm hungry, whether I'm well-fed, abundance and need, it doesn't matter. Verse 13, what's he say? How, why can I do all those things? Because of Christ in me. It's Jesus who strengthens me. Why didn't Paul get caught in the rat race of life? Because his attention didn't matter what other people were doing. His eyes were fixated on his shepherd, which was Jesus. And do you realize that when we become less concerned about what other people are doing better than we are, or what they have more than what we have, when we begin to not look at that and we look to Jesus, do you know how peaceful that is? I don't care if they got a bigger house than me. It doesn't matter if they got a bigger car than me. It doesn't matter if vocationally they've made it further than I have. Why? Because I'm looking at the shepherd. I've got Jesus, and that's enough. Psalm 23 verse 2 paints a picture for us of a sheep that is looking to his shepherd, and that's it. And it's in the shepherd's presence that he finds peace. That's where he'll rest. The third thing a sheep wants to be free from is pests. Pests. I've had the opportunity to travel a few times overseas, and about six years ago, I went to Africa, to Uganda. Been there three different times, and one of these times, we went on this trip, and they said, hey, we're going to take you on a peaceful boat ride down the Nile River. I'm thinking, oh, that's awesome. Peaceful boat ride, they're going to take you to a waterfall. It's just going to be beautiful. You're going to love it. Oh my gosh, so excited. I'm tired. I'm hungry. I had a lot going on on this mission trip, culture shock, food that I don't like. It's just crazy. Man, it's going to be so peaceful. So we're getting ready to get on the boat, and the missions pastor says, oh yeah, by the way, um, just wanted you to be aware that there actually is this fly that you need to be concerned about. Shouldn't be a big deal. It's called the titi fly. Some of you have probably heard of this. He said it's a little fly that actually, um, if it bites you, it will implant an egg underneath your skin that you probably can't get out. And then you'll go home, and about three to four weeks later, that egg will hatch, and you'll see this little fly emerge from your skin, and then it'll flutter off. Neat. <laughs> right? It's no big deal, he says. So I'm relaxed on this boat, looking forward to go seeing hippopotamus, and I saw baboons. It was pretty neat. We're going down the Nile River, headed to this uh, waterfall. Check this out. I'm at peace. I'm at rest. And friends, I tell you, I'm not making this up. Out of nowhere, it was like Armageddon. 
Hundreds of these flies came. And I was like their prey. I don't know what was going on. All I had was a newspaper and a resolve to live at that point. And these things, but this once peaceful boat ride immediately turned into like a life and death situation trying to prevent these flies from reproducing in my body, you know? But I say that to say this. Pests are annoying. Pests in every capacity will keep you from resting. If you go to sleep tonight and there's one mosquito in your room and you can't find it, you're not going to rest well because a pest will bother you and annoy you. And guess what? Sheep are no different than you and I. A sheep does not want any kind of pest around them, but being in a field, they're constantly bombarded and they're in a state of stress and distress. Trying, you've seen a horse in a field with the flies all over, what do they do? They're using their tail all the time to just try to get these bugs off of them because they can't rest. And without getting into much detail, we could go forever on this. Do you know what the only remedy for the pest is? Can you guess? Every shepherd will tell you that it's a shepherd's presence that does it. Because the shepherd is the one with the oils. The shepherd is the one that knows where to take the sheep to get away from the pest. On its own, the sheep can't do it. They need the help of the shepherd. Do we see ourselves here? Every day, you and I, every week, we're met with minor annoyance after minor annoyance after minor annoyance that comes in our lives. And what do we do? We let minor things become major things and then major things consume us. This week, my car was making some goofy, silly noise. I took it, it was just minor. I took it to the mechanic. $2,500 to fix my, my car is a piece, a hunk of junk, all right? I couldn't, it's not even worth $2,500. And the guy's like, you need to fix all of these hundreds of things in your car so that you can like get, I'm like, something that you need to know about me. Anytime I feel like God's doing something in me or around me, my cars always break every time. It's been my entire life because I can't do anything about it. I don't know anything about cars. I know how to make them go forward and backward. And that's about it. All right? So my, just this little minor pesky annoyance. Thank God for Pastor Joe. He fixed it for $60, my company, and a high five. All right? I'm very grateful for him. But it's just these little minor things that go on that just bother us. And what do they do? The minor things that, that consume us. A habit that I developed several months ago is occasionally, once every couple weeks, I'll write down all of the things that are going on in my life, that are consuming me, that are bothering me. And you know often when you begin to actually write them down and process them, most of them are actually pretty minor. But I've allowed them to become major. And when they become major, then they consume me. That's the problem. What's the remedy? It's my shepherd. It's my shepherd. First Peter 5, verse 7. God's word says this through the apostle Peter. Casting all your cares on him. That's Jesus. Cast your cares on him. Why? Because he cares about you. What's the promise there? That the minor annoyance, the pesky things that are consuming me, I don't have to carry them. Jesus actually invites me. He says, hey, that thing you're weighing on your shoulders, give it to me. You don't, you don't have to carry it on your own. Pass it off to me. Hebrews 4.15 says that Jesus sympathizes with our weaknesses because he's walked in our shoes. He gets it. Friends, listen, Jesus can carry the weight that's on your shoulders because he already successfully did it one time. When Jesus walked on this earth, he lived as we lived, and then he ended up dying on a cross bearing the weight of that cross. And because of that, he can carry the weight that is on your shoulders this morning. You don't have to. When a shepherd removes the pests from you, guess what happens? You learn to rest well. 
And when my problems become Jesus's problems, they're no longer my problems. So why worry about it? They're Jesus's. Here's the last thing that a sheep needs to be free from. Hunger. Simple truth. We all understand this. Hunger makes you restless. Some of you right now, you're thinking, preacher, be done. I'm trying to get the frishes, right? I'm hungry. You're restless. I get it. When you're hungry, it's all you think about. In my house, that seems to typically happen between the hours of like 6.30 and 7.30 for some reason. It's right after dinner because we just consumed a full meal. But for some reason at that point, my two daughters, seven and two, decide that they're starving. No matter how much they've ate or didn't eat from the hours of 6.30 to 7.30, it's like a black hole void in their stomachs. Like, I'm so hungry. And here's the deal. Until you fill the void, they can't be at peace. If my daughters are still hungry when they go to bed, guess what they're not going to do? They're not going to sleep. They're not going to be at peace. They're not going to be able to rest. Until they get enough to eat, they can't rest. P.S. Pray for me. Kids are weird. I still haven't figured them out. All right? If you've got any insight, let me know. Sheep are no different. If a sheep is hungry, it can't rest. It won't lay down. Psalm 23, verse 2. To be fully at rest, you have to satisfy the hunger that a sheep feels. Listen, it's no accident. That David mentions here in verse 2, the green pastures. What's that symbolism for us? Well, number one, that's, that's the sheep eating the grass to satisfy their hunger when they've laid down. But what's the picture for us? Friends, we can dispel all the fear in the world. We talked about that at the first point. We can dispel all the tension. We can dispel all of these annoyances that we have in our lives. But ultimately, this is where it all rests on right here. If we do not learn as followers of Jesus to find complete and total satisfaction in the person and finished work of Jesus Christ, you and I will never be at rest. We may follow Jesus, but the problem is many of us are not completely satisfied in what he has done for us. That's just true. We still try to find so much satisfaction in other things, and they are an endless void that can never be filled. Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 3, verse 11, that God has put eternity in our hearts. What does that mean? There's an endless void inside of you that only Jesus can fill. Why? Because an eternal void can only be filled by an eternal being. The only thing that can fill us is Jesus. We have a spiritual hunger that our souls crave to be filled, and Jesus is the one that can do it. C.S. Lewis said it this way, I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy. The most probable explanation is that I was created for another world. It's Jesus. I was created for him. Our souls crave his presence, man. They crave it. But we try to find rest in so many other things. We try to find satisfaction in so many other things that only Jesus can provide for us. Let's lay in the plane. What is rest? It's finding contentment in the shadow of our shepherd. And if we're honest today, I feel it too, we're tired. I know we're physically tired because we all say it every Sunday morning. How you doing? I'm tired. But if we're honest with ourselves, I think most of us, we're emotionally exhausted. You're done. You're spent. You're wondering, how can I take that next step when I don't even know how I'm going to get through right now? It's just the reality of where we are. Many of us were spiritually exhausted. A relationship with Jesus is more of a routine pattern that I engage in rather than a vibrant relationship that I am part of. We're tired and we're exhausted. 
And as the praise team comes and leads us in this last song, I've been praying for several days. Let's let this moment of singing, this song is so perfect to close this. I'm telling you, it's so perfect. And let's ask Jesus, let's let these words of this song be a prayer. That Jesus, not only the physical exhaustion that I feel, but the emotional and spiritual exhaustion that I feel as well. Lord, would you remedy that in me with you? That I'd learn to find complete and total satisfaction in you completely, Lord. That I could lay down in those green pastures that you talk about here in Psalm 23 too. Let me pray for us. Jesus Christ, thank you so much for your word. God, I thank you that your word is living, is active, it's powerful. And because of that, your word changes us. God, I know I'm not the only one that feels the, the, that tension of rest. So Jesus, I ask well, not only on behalf of myself, but everybody that's in this room at this moment, that God, as we sing this song, Lord, that we would offer it up as a prayer to you. That Lord, that that tiredness that we feel, Lord, not only physically, but emotionally and spiritually would be remedied by your presence this week. That, God, we we truly learn to find rest and satisfaction in who you are. That it wouldn't just be something we say, but it becomes something we live as well. God, thanks so much for your word. We love you, Jesus. You know, we pray. Amen.